Amen. Amen. Good to see all of you this morning. Second Peter chapter one. And before we uh, get to our text this morning, I just want to say thank you to all of you that remembered praying for me on Thursday morning out at Bethany Bible Church. I felt those prayers and I I think things went well on Thursday morning. Um, also, just one other thing, we'll save most of the announcements till the end. Um, you see there in your bulletin again today, that map that we put in there starting last Sunday. And just a reminder to be praying for God's direction as we seek a place uh, that we can call our own. And uh, God is moving already and giving us some direction as a building team. And certainly when we know anything, you'll be the first to know. Uh, but, but I just want you to be encouraged that your prayers are working and he is moving and opening up some conversations with some folks in the area about this kind of stuff. So thank you. And any of you that know of property or, or know of somebody that owns something or as you're traveling around the East Valley, you see something, let us know, you know. This is as much your church as it is any of ours, and you're going to be part of this process. So we just wanted to share that as well. Um, God's been doing this a lot in my life lately. I think I'm going in this direction, and he goes, no, Jeff, I want you to go here. So the message is going to be a little bit different than I even planned on this morning as I came to church. Um, I wanted to start out sort of piggybacking on the song that we just sang. Our God is not a violent, abusive God. And, and what I mean by that is, God may want us to go down this path, but the Holy Spirit won't, like, jerk us and make us go down that path. In fact, His approach is very much the opposite. When the Bible says all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, the word led means literally to take gently by the hand and let me accompany God on that path. And that's what God wants to do in our lives always, and that's what He wants to do today. In other words, God may want to lead you and I in a certain direction down a certain road, a certain path. But he's not going to force us to go down that path. He's going to, in a sense, reach out his hand and reach it up to us and say, will you put your hand in my hand and let's go down that road together? And God's not going to scream at us to get us to go. In fact, again, the Bible says his approach most of the time is actually going to be that still, small boy. Because God's not going to get all, you know, upset because we're not listening. He's not going to yell louder because we're not paying attention or not going. But what he is going to do, as we just sang about, he's going to be very relentless and very persevering and enduring, and he's just going to keep that small voice 
speaking to us. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to continue to reach out his hand and say to all of us, to me included, Jeff, will you go down this way with me? So today, throughout this message, I don't know exactly how God wants this, obviously, to be fleshed out in your life like he does in mine, but I do know this. I know that God's not going to scream at us today. He's not going to yell at us today. He's not going to force us to do anything. Because he wants us to willingly go with him. But what he will be doing all through today is he's going to be in that still small voice saying to each of us, this is the way I want you to go. Will you go that way? And you and I then have to just be willing to take him by the hand and let him lead us where he wants to lead. Second Peter is a book about spiritual growth. In fact, I said last week in our starting of this series that I don't believe any book of the Bible, any of the other 65 books of the Bible, speak to as eloquently and as encouragingly and, and as extensively about spiritual growth and the importance of it like Second Peter. There is no other book like it as far as that goes. And yet even in that, God, even though God would say to us, I think that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the number one priority in every Christian's life should be their spiritual growth. God obviously won't force that on us. He says that should be the priority of our life, but he wants us to willingly go down that path. He won't force us to go down the path of spiritual growth. And so last week we looked at Peter inspiring us and instructing us on spiritual growth in our lives and what that looks like. And today I want to pick it up in verse 5, where Peter writes, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. The words for this very reason are important words. They're not throwaway words. They are words in any language, but especially in the Greek language, which connects us back to basically everything we talked about last week in the first four verses, but especially this truth, that one of the main things God wanted to get through to us through Peter was that God has given us the means to be able to grow. He's given us all the capacity and resources we ever will need. In verse 1 last week, Peter said to his readers that you guys have been given a faith just as precious as ours. In other words, we've been given the capacity and resources of equal value, of equal worth to the apostles themselves. We can never say as Christians, well, if I would have just been in Peter's position or Paul's position or the disciples' position, I would be able to be further along in my spiritual growth and learning about who God created me to be and seeing all that potential that God placed in me fleshed out. No, Peter would say, you have a faith equal in value, equal in worth to ours. And then in verse 3, he reminded us last week that God has given us, bestowed on us, a gift to honor us. Everything necessary for life and godliness. In other words, again, we can never say that we don't have the means. 
that we don't have the resources, that we don't have the capacity to be able to reach our potential, to be able to find out in this life before we get to the next life who God created us to be and what he created us for, and to truly be able to grow and experience that abundant spiritual life, that higher quality of life, that life that rises above the circumstances, a life of fulfillment and satisfaction, Peter would say to us, you all have the means. And so when Peter comes to verse 5 and says, for this very reason, he's saying, don't forget, we have the means. We have everything that we need. We're not lacking or deficient in any way as a Christian in our life in order to become who God created us to be. So that's why Peter follows these words for this very reason. He now then says to us, because God has given us all the resources we need, here's what the Christian life and spiritual growth is all about. It's learning to cooperate with God and work with God on becoming who he made us to be. And that obviously doesn't, then mean that we just sit back passively and do nothing and let God drag us along. Because again, as we just said, God won't do that. God is saying to us, though, you need to take responsibility for your spiritual growth and that all of us have to make every effort. Those words in the Greek speak of an eager, energetic diligence. So God is saying, look, Here's this great life out there that I've got for you. I got this wonderful plan, this wonderful purpose. I put all this potential in you. I created you to be this, just as he did Peter. But you and I, in order to really experience that, we need to put forth effort. We need to have an eager, energetic diligence towards our spiritual growth because apart from us putting forth that kind of effort folks we will never see that kind of life here's a sobering challenging question for us as christians what is it in this life that we put the most energy and effort into think about that in your own life what what would your answer be what If you were to say in my life, as I look at my life, what do I put the most energy and effort into? Because Peter would say to us as Christians that the thing we should be putting the most energy and effort into is our spiritual growth. That should be. The primary priority of every Christian's life. And the reason why many Christians are living here rather than where they could or should be living goes back to they're putting their energy and effort in a lot of other things, but they're not putting their energy and effort into their personal spiritual growth. As Peter goes on to say, they're not adding to their faith. The word add means to build upon a foundation. And notice here in this list, as we now go from the means of our spiritual growth that Peter touched on and linked to verse 5, and then he begins in verse 5 by teaching us about the mindset we, we should have towards our spiritual growth. 
that mindset being that should be my number one priority. That should be my energetic, uh, eager, diligent effort. That's my mindset. That's what it's got to be. Now he's going to start talking to us about the measure of our spiritual growth. He's going to give us things that you and I can go, okay, that's the kind of stuff that should be building into my life. But again, I want you to notice in verse 5, it starts with the foundation of faith. Why does it start there? Because the word faith means strong spiritual conviction. And if I really don't believe what God's word says, if, I, if that's not really my personal conviction, in other words, for instance, though God may be speaking to all of us today saying, you realize if you're a Christian that your spiritual growth should be the thing you're putting the most energy and effort into, if we really don't buy into that, if we really don't believe what God says, then obviously we won't do anything about it. It'll just sort of sit there. And we'll go on living our life the way we want to and being unfulfilled and unsatisfied and restless and crazy and running after this and running after that and doing our own thing until we finally get to a place where we go, God, you're right. I surrender. Uncle, I'll do it your way rather than mine. And I'll take you by the hand and I'll let you carry me down this road. But we've got to believe it ourselves. That's why he starts with faith. Faith, was, faith is always the foundation for any kind of growth because I've got to believe it myself. It's got to be my personal conviction. Again, as we shared even back in our study of Timothy, I can't live off of somebody else's convictions. I've got to believe it myself. And there's got to be that internal motivation. Again, it's great to have external motivation. It's great to have Christians, brothers and sisters who pray for us and try to encourage us down that road. But there's going to come a point many times in our walk with God where we're not going to have all this external motivation all the time. And we've got to look deep into our own being and go, is this coming from within me or am I totally dependent on externals to get me there? That's why faith is the foundation. But notice, Peter says, we should always be adding to our faith. That word add means to continuously add throughout our Christian life. And the measure of our spiritual growth from God's perspective primarily lands on these traits or character qualities that Peter lists right here. In other words, you and I can measure our spiritual growth maybe a lot of different ways. But from God's perspective, this is what we should be looking at. Because what Peter's going to teach us here is that these things should be gradually, slowly, steadily getting better and better in our life if we're growing. It's not, well, one of these things I grow in really good and the others get left behind. That's not what God wants to try to do in our life. What he's going to try to do and attempt to do if we're cooperating with him is that each of these will be improving a little bit as we grow you see not one at the expense of the other so even though they're listed in a certain order it's not like one can be neglected at the you know expense of the other so the first one after faith that he mentions here is the word excellence and that simply means living a life that stands out, fulfilling its purpose. A life that stands out. A life that's distinctive. You know, 
That's what the word excellent even in the English means. I didn't get many of them when I was in school. But every once in a while, I'd get a paper back from the teacher and it would have the word excellent on it. You got to understand from somebody that didn't get a lot of excellence. I was like, yeah, I got an excellent. Look, look, I was showing on my friend. I got an excellent. Because it might have been once a year that I got an excellent. But anyway, it, it, was, it stood out. It was distinct from all my other papers that I've written. There there was something special about that. It stood out. And God, through our spiritual growth, calls us to stand out. Not to draw attention to us, but to Him. He wants us to be a light. He says, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine so that people can see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. God wants to build into us a distinctive lifestyle that just separates itself from everyone else and so that people can go, man, there's something different about you. And not in a weird way, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. I wish I had what you have. I wish I had, you know, what is your secret? What, what, what makes you tick? Why can you navigate life this way? And why, when things are thrown at you, can you still have that peace and joy and all of that? And they begin to ask us for the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. That kind of life. That's part of our spiritual growth. And then he says, after excellence is knowledge. And this word for knowledge is an experiential knowledge, a knowledge that's gained from doing something, in this case, from walking with God, from fellowshipping with God. In other words, there's knowledge that you and I can gain from books. We can even listen to somebody else about a certain subject. But the way God really wants us to grow is our own personal experience with Him, a knowledge that leads to insight, accuracy, You know, that kind of knowledge, a knowledge that firsthand knowledge that I gain from walking with God. For instance, you guys know I love the Civil War and history and stuff. And and this is just a great illustration of this principle. I could read a book about the Battle of Gettysburg. I could listen to somebody else who's an expert on the Battle of Gettysburg. But the best way to learn about the Battle of Gettysburg is to be dropped into that town and see it for myself. And experience it for myself. That's the best education. That's the best knowledge. Because I'm there. I, I, you know, I can try to picture what someone else is saying. I can try to picture it in a book. But when I'm there experiencing myself, that's a whole different kind of knowledge. And Peter's saying that has to be part of our spiritual growth. That experiential knowledge that you and I gain from personally walking with God and fellowshipping with Him and being in His presence on an everyday basis. And then he says, not only add to your faith excellence and knowledge, but add self-control. This is the power to restrain, the power to hold back, the power to contain oneself. Because let's face it, there's a lot of times in life you just want to slap somebody. I don't know why I went there, but anyway... I really don't have anybody in mind that I want to spot. Or maybe we, you know, we're thinking about saying something. But as we grow, our life is going to be reflected more about not what we say, but what we don't say. Self-control. 
And the more we'll be able, again, not on our own, but in the power of the Spirit, as we rely on God, we'll be able to hold back and restrain and contain ourselves rather than just whatever flies into our head. We just have it go out of our mouth. That's not an evidence of spiritual growth. Self-control. Next one, perseverance. I've talked to you a lot over the years about this word. It's one of my favorite Greek words, hupomone. It means never giving up or giving in. It means facing life and the challenges of life unflinchingly. It means the ability to be able to look beyond the current pressures and the current situation to what's God's promise down the road. See, it's not like a grim resignation where I just sort of grin and bear it and just try to. No, it's facing life triumphantly in spite of whatever's at coming at me. That's perseverance. And I won't ever give up and I won't ever give in. And God wants to build that perseverance into our life through our spiritual growth. And then he goes on to say godliness. This simply means living at all times conscious of God's presence. Living at all times conscious of God's presence. Next, to brotherly kindness, he wants us to add brotherly affection. He says, part of our spiritual growth, don't miss this, because a lot of Christians don't get this today. Again, it goes back to their concept of the local church and how they view their local church and relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. This word means a love of my spiritual family. That not only do I want others to feel like they belong, but hopefully I feel like I belong and I'm building friendships and relationships and I'm connecting with my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's part of our spiritual growth. If you feel like you're out there on your own, God wants to build and knit you together with other brothers and sisters and begin to knit your hearts with others. That's part of our spiritual growth. And then build on that is sort of a consummation. Notice, faith is the foundation of our spiritual growth. Notice what the consummation of our spiritual growth is. Unselfish love. This is that Greek word, agape. First of all, it, it not only means selfless, it's a volitional love. In other words, it means I choose to love like this because God empowers me to. It's not that I feel like it all the time. It's not that the person that I'm loving necessarily deserves it. That's not what agape is because it's the same kind of love that God loves us with. And frankly, I don't know about you, but I don't deserve God's love. Yet he still loves me. He chooses to love me. That's that kind of love. And that's the kind of willful choosing that God wants to build into my life to where it's not, well, I just love people because they love me back and treat me good and, 
and because they're lovely and all that. It's, there's going to be times where I choose through the power of the Holy Spirit to love this person even though they don't deserve it. And every time I do that, I need to be reminded that that's exactly the kind of love that I am favored to have from God himself. Another aspect of this love is not just volitional and selfless, it's unconditional. It's, again, not I love because, you know, they've done, it's all just reciprocating. It's, I'm going to love you even if you don't love me. And it's sacrificial. That's another big thing about this love. Not just selfless, but sacrificial. And so in these qualities here, this is the measure of our spiritual growth. Peter said, look, here's the means God's given you. Everything you need. Second, here's the mindset. Are we making every effort to spiritually grow? Are we putting ourselves in a position as a Christian to grow? To increase? And again, it's not, folks, that we're not going to have struggles in these areas at times. God isn't looking for perfection. Our spiritual growth, though, will be progress in all of these areas. We're never going to, on this side of heaven, be able to look at any of these areas and go, I got that one down. No. But in our spiritual growth, what we should be seeing is that our life is a little bit more excellent. That we have a little bit more self-control. That we have a little bit more awareness of God's presence. That we are learning a little bit more about God, not just from others, but from my own personal walk and experience. That I'm seeing a little bit more perseverance and endurance in my life. That I'm starting to get knit together with other brothers and sisters and, and truly have a love for my spiritual family. And I'm certainly seeing in my life this God-like supernatural love. A love that is sacrificial, a love that is selfless, a love that is volitional, a love that's unconditional. This is the measure of our spiritual growth. But in this passage, Peter ends with this. And we're going to link this to next week because we're not going to be able to finish it all. But now Peter starts to talk to us about the motivation for spiritual growth. You as a Christian want to know why it's so important that you spiritually grow? You want to sort of be sold on it a little bit, persuaded, given some kind of motivation of why this is so important? Peter's going to begin to tell us this week. For in verse 8, he says, If these things are really yours, and they will be yours in some measure if you're a Christian, because God plants this in us as part of his divine nature that he gives us when we become a Christian. The thing is, like any seed, it can sort of sit there and never grow. And we can stay at a very low level of all these areas. God doesn't want to see that. God wants to see us grow in all these areas. Because in growing in all these areas, we will become who God created us to be. And reach our potential. And know why we're here. So here's what he said. If these things are really yours and, and are continually increasing 
That means growth, folks. That means continually becoming greater, more and more, abounding, growing. It is through our spiritual growth then that Peter says, it will keep us, verse 8, from first of all, becoming ineffective. The first motivation is, Peter says, if you don't grow as a Christian... Because remember, if we're not moving forward in our Christian walk, we're automatically moving backward. There is no such thing as status quo and static or staying the same. We're either getting closer to Christ and growing or we're regressing and we're going backwards as a Christian. And Peter's saying, if you're as a Christian, you're not growing, then guess what is going to happen? You and I are going to become ineffective. What's that mean? Well. First of all, it means avoiding, avoiding a responsibility or role that God has planned for me. In other words, God would say, I made you for this. But because you're not growing, you're not fulfilling your purpose. You're avoiding the responsibility that I want to give you. You've become ineffective. You and I as Christians are more willing and able and in a place to seize opportunities that we know are coming to us from God when we're growing. If we're not growing and we're going backwards, then when opportunities are presented, we just let them pass by. Even though it may be something that God wants you to be involved with, you let it go because you and I have become ineffective. This word also means to lack fulfillment, satisfaction in our life. When you and I are at this place, we're really not fulfilled and satisfied. We're not. And we're chasing all these other things in life that we think is going to fulfill us and satisfy us. But obviously, they're dead ends too. And the only way we're going to feel effective is to follow God's plan and take the Holy Spirit by the hand and say, lead me down that path. And here's why. Because God created us a certain way with certain talents, abilities, spiritual gifts and all that. And his role for us, his responsibilities, his plan and purpose totally fit that. And so the only way we're going to truly be effective and, and all the way God made us fits what he's called us to is to follow his plan and purpose, not ours. If we don't do that, then we're going to lack fulfillment and satisfaction in our life. And we're going to avoid the responsibilities that God has for us. Secondly, not only ineffective, but unproductive. Unfruitful, in spite of favorable conditions, is what this word means. In fact, the most favorable conditions, God would say, I gave you everything you needed as a Christian to be fruitful, but I'm looking at your tree there and there's no fruit. God wants us to be fruitful. Jesus even said in John 15, my desire for my followers is that you bear much fruit. And in this bearing much fruit is my father glorified. And folks, it's not just even about glorifying God. Get this based upon Psalm one, when you and I grow as a Christian, Not only are we popping out fruit, but we're popping out leaves. And our life can become this like great tree that other people can be refreshed under. See, that's why God wants us to be productive. 
That's why he wants us to grow, because the more we grow, the more refreshment we give to others. The more others want to be around us, because every time they're around us, we walk away encouraged. We walk away refreshed because we're sitting under their palm tree. We're at their personal oasis and it feels good. But you can even be around another Christian who's all dried up. No fruit, no leaves, whatever. And you and I can walk away going, ooh, man, I feel drained. And I realize there's a time and place for that. We all have to be there for each other when we're not on top of our game. But what God's calling us to is that wouldn't it be wonderful if all Christians made spiritual growth a priority, not just for their own benefit and to glorify me, but so they realize that it's through their spiritual growth that they're even going to be more of a benefit to others, that others are going to desire to want to be around them. Because like, man, when I'm around you, it's good. It's not that everything's good in my life, but, but you're such an encouragement. You're such a refreshment. You, you're bearing such fruit and you've got such leaves in your life that I can just sort of sit underneath your shade and I can be refreshed. And then he says, another motivation for spiritual growth is he says, in your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately, verse 9, But concerning the one who lacks such things, again, isn't growing. The next thing, we can become blind. This word means to lack clarity, to have no awareness in our life. So Peter's saying, if you want me to give you some motivation to grow, Christian, it's this. If we're not growing as a Christian, we can become blind spiritually. We have no idea where we're really at. We have no real concept of what's going on around us. We're just sort of flitting from this thing to that thing. And we're like the ball in the, you know, pinball. We're just bouncing from this to that. And there's no clarity in our life. We're always confused. We don't know which way to go. He says spiritual growth will take care of all that. You want more clarity in your life? Start growing. It's out of our growth that we will see things much more clearly instead of being in this fog all the time trying to figure it all out and we will be totally aware of where our life is and how we're affecting others and how others are affecting us that's why some christians can look at other christians not in a judgmental way but just sort of saying do they not see what i'm seeing so clearly and the answer is no if you're a christian and you're growing and you're looking at some other Christians who's not growing, and you're scratching your head going, did they not see that that's bad for them? Or do they not understand the ramifications and consequences of that behavior? Do they not understand the damage that they're doing? The answer is no. No, they don't. Because they're blind to it. They don't see what a growing Christian sees. And see, God wants to give us clarity and awareness, and that only comes through spiritual growth. Two others. He then says, not only are we going to prevent ourselves from being blind, but also nearsighted or short-sighted. This is the person who, again, because they're not growing as a Christian, just lives for the moment. They're living for the temporal. They're never making choices and decisions looking beyond at the eternal and what's really important. It's only what's right in front of them. That's the only way they can navigate because part of it is because they're blind. They're not growing. They're not able to see that much further ahead. So they even get to the point where not only they're blind, they're short-sighted, they're nearsighted. All they can see is what's right in front of them. 
It is through spiritual growth that we can see further down the road. Which is why God even challenges all Christians, but especially leaders in the church, to have vision. Why is it important to have vision and know where we're going? Well, first of all, that's a sign of spiritual growth. I can look beyond the present and go what's coming. And I can see things that are coming that maybe others can't see. How do I have that ability and discernment? Through spiritual growth. Instead of being nearsighted, you and I all of a sudden through our spiritual growth become farsighted. We'll be able to see a lot further ahead. And then, tragically, he ends with this. Not only will we become ineffective, unproductive, blind, and nearsighted, but he says we can even get to the point where we have forgotten about the cleansing of our past sins. What's that mean? That means this. That means that even as a Christian, salvation can begin to lose its significance and its meaning in my life. That even though, think about it, even though the God of the universe took upon a human body Loved me so much that he went to the cross and died for me and shed his perfect, sinless, innocent blood for me. That if I'm not growing, even that fact, yeah, I'm saved. But it doesn't really affect us anymore. The significance of what God has done and, and, and what he's given me, eh. I'm not moved anymore by that. There's not really any meaning or significance to that. Instead of living, growing as a Christian, going, God, I have never gotten over the fact that you saved me. I'm forgiven. I am free. God, thank you. That's a growing Christian. That's a growing Christian. One who every day of their life just wakes up going, wow, God, thank you for saving me. My life right now might just stink, but God, I have so much to thank you for because I'm saved. That's spiritual growth. See, that's the difference spiritual growth can make. That's why Peter says, guys, it's not just about the means that God's given us. It's not just about the mindset and the measure of our spiritual growth. You want motivation for growing? Peter says, I'll give you motivation. You want to be effective? You want to be productive? You want to have great sight and farsightedness in your life? You want to never lose the significance and meaning of being a Christian and being saved? He says, then keep growing. Keep growing. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. Here's, here, here's what I want you to Please don't, don't shut me off just yet, even though people are moving and all that. Hang in there with me just for a minute. This last song we're singing is called Open Hands. And I get it that primarily you know the meaning of it. It's about, you know, not hanging on to material things and not being selfish and all that. And just giving God whatever we have and letting him use it to bless others. I get that. And there's not a thing wrong with that meaning. But for today's purpose, as I came here this morning and I was hearing them practice this song, 
again, it took me back to that concept of, here's another way to look at open hands. And that is that right now in this room, I believe if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Just as he is to me. And he's saying to all of us, not yelling, not screaming, not forcing, not pushing. He's just reaching out his hand saying, Jeff, will you take my hand and will you let me lead you down here? And so when you and I sing this song, Open Hands, let's not only think of it in terms of sort of relinquishing and and all of that, the things that we've been blessed with so that we can be a blessing to others. But think of it this way. As you sing this song, Open Hands, this morning, what does that mean to you as far as are you willing right now in your life to open up your hand to the Holy Spirit of God and say, okay, I've been leading myself. I've been calling the shots in my own life. I've been taking the roads I want to take. But now, Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you my hand, my open hand. And I want you to take my open hand and you begin to lead me where you want to. Let's stand and sing this song today.